Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Butthole Quinny and Alan destroyed the Well of Souls just in time to be arrested by Paladin Von Strauss. But what possible legal defense will our heroes have for their crimes? Will Butthole befriend Von Strauss and prove no one can resist the charms of Moonhammer? Will Quinny be found innocent because his Frankenbody didn't exist when they were in Neverwinter? Find out next on Dum Dums and Dragons. You're in a covered wagon that rolls along a bumpy road. Butthole, you're just starting to come to. Your head hurts so much. And as you sort of wake up, you find yourself in sort of a long, large wagon. There's a bunch of people chained up. Alan and Quinny, you're both chained up. You've kind of been waiting to see when Butthole will wake up. As you'll remember, you have the anti-magic collars on right mm. now. These ones look a little different than the ones that were used on the ship. If those were knockoff pirate ones, these are the fancy, you'd buy them at the Apple Store ones. They're white. They're smooth. Yeah, they're slick. They, they don't work with anything warranty. else. They don't plug in anymore. Like, it's cordless, but that's more of a hassle than you'd think when you compare it to other stuff. <laughs> it's like, listen to DD&D on iTunes, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, what is your provider? <laughs> This is being recorded on a MacBook Pro. (laughs) You have these fancy collars. There's a bunch of rabble also chained up. You can see amongst them, there seem to be a few people wearing butthole. You'd probably recognize these as whatever the five years later version of uniforms from a car look like. So the Unseen Hand livery, but, you know, it's been a while since you last were there. Alan, you fought a bunch of these assholes, so these look like standard grunts that that look like they've been arrested. There's also a collection of thieves and miscreants and that sort of thing chained up. So you're all in that classic police movie thing where you've got the chains around your wrists as well as your feet. So we're, yeah, we're like full shackled. Full shackled. This is the medieval equivalent of the prison bus at the beginning of the prison movie. Wait, are we doing Skyrim? (laughs) Are we just (laughs) straight up? Here, let me introduce a plot to you that you you get to pick follow. your shortly, so don't worry. Oh, great. Yeah. So you're in the prison wagon, and through the slats at the front, you can see the wagon driver, Von Strauss, is with him. There are guards in the wagon body with you. From the muttering you can hear, it seems like you're coming up on your destination. There's no sign of Goblin Jr., no sign of Wrench. Alan and Quinny, you probably saw Goblin Jr. do his fade away into the audience thing. Do I still have Billy Fingers? Can you roll me a deception check, please? Yes. 11. Goblin Jr. gave you a very knowing snarf snarf and winked at you and disappeared. You very quickly patted yourself down, found Billy, 
and not knowing what else to do, just shoved them in your mouth. So, no. I need you to roll me a constitution save, please. <laughs> what, did I swallow? No, you're just, it, it's, it, it's, it's a, a lot of fingers. It's a ball no. of fingers oh. moving constantly oh. in your mouth. Some of them, like, yeah, one, no, no, I got it now. No, I was gonna say, one of them is also the severed end of a finger because he did lose a finger. <laughs> oh, poor Billy. 14. You just kind of nod at everyone. <laughs> just there's, there's like a tear that rolls down your face <laughs> from your non-red eye. Inside your mouth, he leans down and wets his eyeballs on your tongue. This is becoming too much like Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> you caught me. That's what the module's based on. Uh, the Vor mod? <laughs> so, uh, Quinny, you're feeling much better now that your body is no longer suffering under the curse laid on it by the Well of Souls and the Drain. So you're looking around, Butthole's just coming to, Alan is choking on something, you're not quite sure what, but you just have one to ask. This is all feeling very familiar to you in a really fucking uncomfortable way. What's going through your mind right now? In the moments where we were being apprehended, there was a real pit in my stomach. I can't go back there, I can't go back there, I can't go back to prison. However, I did go to hell. And then had my soul put into a monstrosity patchwork of body parts. Something strange is happening to me where there's a voice that I hear sometimes and sometimes I black out and I've killed something. So it's not that bad anymore. Like not as bad as I made it up to be, you know? I've gained perspective in my time. Excellent. You're like my crazy aunt who went to prison and was just thrilled that there was a pool. I wish that was a joke. Let's keep going. (laughs) And you say we don't share personal stories on a podcast. (laughs) So the wagon rolls up. Quinny, looking through the slats, the surroundings are very familiar to you. You you remember this perp drive from your previous incarceration. It looks like you've been brought back to the same prison you served in. What was that prison called? What was it actually called or what did the prisoners call it? What did the prisoners call it? The coffin. And what was it actually called? Greensboro Penitentiary. So you roll up, you can see the entrance to Greensboro. However, there's something very strange that catches your eye, Quinny. It seems that in the time you've been gone, something about the prison has changed. It seems to be taking its name a lot more literally because you can actually see this strange green light twinkling through the slats. And if you remember correctly, the coffin was originally sort of a large limestone structure, very classic medieval fantasy prison. But for some reason now, there's this green shine coming off. The sun's high in the sky. You've been in transport for some time. You're no longer in cult. been brought back to the mainland. Okay. So you can hear the people up front starting to get off and down. Butthole, did you have anything you wanted to do on the prison bus? I'm assuming I'm still in my armor. Am I in prison fatigue? Your your armor is on. Everyone's weapons are gone. Alan, can you roll me an arcana check, please? Sure. Nine. It's a similar feeling to what you had on the boat in terms of that void where your magic should Mm. be. The difference is that where that felt like being in one of those sensory deprivation chambers, here there's something, it's almost an itch you can't scratch. So there's just something slightly different, but you can't tell what it is. Okay. I'm immediately going to check my pockets because I see the prison coming up, but I remember in my time in Neverwinter, where are my beans? Where? I need to eat a bean. I need to eat a bean. Fortunately, your beans are not on you. They're wherever your gear has ended up. I have a moment where I'm frantically patting my pockets and I realize they're gone and I just look out listlessly and my face falls and there's just a really sad, long fart that just like... (laughs) And my shoulders sag and I sit there. No beans? No beans. No es bueno. (laughs) (laughs) Get to the front of the prison. Von Strauss hops down off the cart. The guards come out, and it's a classic prison transfer. As you exit the cart, you're actually stunned by the sight of a massive green superstructure that's been built up and over the old entrance to the prison. So the old entrance to the prison was... 
a pair of scales of justice kind of over a central doorway. That's still there. But a good way to think of this is the Royal Ontario Museum in Toronto, where a massive new structure has been built on an old one. Mm. So there's the facade of the old prison, but jutting up and over it, it looks like emerald. You know it isn't. A massive, imposing superstructure. The prison looks about five times larger than you remember it being. Jeez. And the guard towers are unlike anything you've ever seen. So the exterior is glistening. It's almost crystalline. Think of it almost as a fortress. Very imposing. And you can tell that a lot has changed since you were last at the coffin. Von Strauss is looking you over. You can tell that he's more concerned about the three of you. He isn't quite sure what the deal with Quinny is yet, but it's enough that you are aiding and abetting known fugitives, Alan, hello, and Butthole Farch. He doesn't know your last name, but he knows you say that a lot, so that's how you've been known on the Wanted posters. Great. You're all getting ready to be taken in. The central doors swing open, and you start making your way in towards processing. It's a classic prison gang thing. You're chained up in a line being led through. As you do so, Von Strauss greets a short squat, possibly the largest halfling you've ever seen. He's decked out in very fine robes, but he also seems to have some Mad Max-style accoutrements in terms of like big shoulder pads, heavy metal gauntlets. Is there a regular-sized hobbit on his shoulders, so they're Master Blaster, but just like <laughs> way, way tinier? It's a gnome. There's <laughs> a little gnome on him. <laughs> I mean, roll me a d20. Yes, yes. <laughs> Seven. He has a very small, it's not a gnome, it's sort of a salacious crumb uh, <laughs> kind of rat monkey type thing. It's wearing a little hat. It's dressed exactly like he is. Laura, do you know who Salacious Crumb is? No. Jabba the Hutt's little... Jabba the Hutt's the little, the little guy sits there who's like... There we go. Oh, yeah. uh, so this thing is, is sort of sitting on his head smoking a pipe and looking really shifty. I lean over to Alan and I point at it and I say, I want one. Ooh. Somewhere Wrench is very sad. <laughs> Just got him. <laughs> Alan's response. One more time, Laura. Mm-mm. <laughs> Von Strauss greets him as Warden Burgermeister Meisterburger. Oh, so the top half is the Burgermeister. And the bottom half is Meisterburger. Meisterburger. Although you can tell that Von Strauss, who does not truck fools lightly, hates having to acknowledge the creepy rat monkey. But the warden seems to insist on it even going so far as to point deliberately at him until he gets eye contact and then nodding. Meister Burger, for a halfling, again, he looks like he lives pretty hard, you know, really gruff. He's got a bunch of scars. He's actually a very scary-looking halfling, as halflings mm. go. You can see he's got some weapons, huge set of keys, and is actually f- fairly imposing for being so small. Meister Burger greets Von Strauss. Von Strauss bows, does the thing. And uh, the warden says, ah, yeah, so uh, Von Strauss, what do you brought me today, huh? Von Strauss, again, there's just that brief flicker of the facade falls for a second, and you can tell he's disgusted, but he gets it back. Warden, I've, I've brought uh, three known fugitives as well as some other rabble that we've managed to collect from the outlying provinces on the orders of our Lord of Neverwinter. We have Butthole Farch, the rogue Moon Knight. Listen, I was cleared of all Moon Knight charges. Yes, people got hurt in a courtroom, but they were evil people. Do you want me to knock you unconscious again? Well, I mean, if there's an option where that doesn't happen, could we do that one? I want to be your friend. <sighs> Uh, we also have the uh, rogue mage, Alan. I just wave. <laughs> Do you want me a constitution save? Oh, <laughs> 14. You almost cough out a mouthful of fingers, but you manage to sell it as though you're just really nervous because the warden is very impressive and Little Meisterburger is pretty creepy. So he's used to people occasionally gagging when he sees Little Meisterburger. The, te- the, the tears are really helping to sell it. 
Yep. Von Strauss gestures to pseudo Quinny. This is their accomplice. It may be a halfling in disguise. We're not entirely sure. You'll have to make sure to pat him down rather effectively. When do I get my day in court? Can't even prove that I'm Quinny. It's a time of war. We don't have time for this. This uh, is an unrelated prostitute we hired to act like Quinny. God. <laughs> Can you roll me a deception check? <laughs> unrelated prostitute. <laughs> no. no. I hate it when you help. <laughs> Nat 20, Tom. So, um... <laughs> Meisterberger shakes his head and kind of does that like super gross chuckling thing where he's like, <laughs> I know how that goes. Don't we, buddy? And Burgermeister's like, <laughs> That's the sound of him smoking. Yes, that's his guy. Pipe sound. Okay. He says, well, we'll have to find a special place for your friend then. So, Quinn, you're taken out of line and they, <laughs> they set you up with a couple of guards. It's been like six minutes into the podcast and you fucked me. <laughs> I lean over to Alan. See, this is good because he'll get fewer guards than if he were important. Instead, he's a weird prostitute, Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. Say words if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> Yay! I'd like to be knocked out, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's wrong to commit acts of violence against sex workers. So Von Strauss does that thing that Batman occasionally does when he's walking in people to Arkham for the day and a half they're going to be in Arkham, where he's going to come into the prison with you. We've referred to a lot of video game franchises this could be based on, but that's just the opening of the first Arkham game. It, it's it's 100%. Open. Yeah, also a lot of great animated series episodes. Meisterberger goes in ahead of Von Strauss. He gestures to a couple of the people from the prison bus. They bring forward sort of a large crate that you imagine contains your gear. They pass it through a processing room. It gets taken off into some back room somewhere. All this is happening as you're doing that slow perp walk in. So cinematically imagine the camera briefly follows a door opening and they're carrying your shit through it. Door closes. Once you pass through the entranceway, which seems like where people from the outside would see it, as soon as you're past that, things get grim. Arkham's a good example for this where it's fine. It's a prison. It's cool. It's an asylum. As soon as you get in, it's like, ooh, this is a little less comfortable. So once you enter central processing, you can see there are kind of a number of side rooms that can take people for the pat-downs for stripping them of their gear and putting them into prison clothes. However, Von Strauss actually gets held up on the way in, and the warden says, Sorry, uh, Paladin, you'll, you'll have to, of course, leave your weapons as well. Von Strauss looks gently taken aback, because this seems to be new, but the warden explains its new policy. Quinny, can you roll me a perception check, please? 20. Cumulative. You've never seen anything like this before. He's law enforcement. Yeah, agents of the state yeah. never relinquish their gear. But Von Strauss seems to shrug and hand over his giant flaming sword, which, of course, isn't lit. And the warden says, oh, and uh, of course, you'll have to submit to our expanded measures. As you know, we have a new higher tech security firm working with us, uh, the new callers, etc. Von Strauss seems pretty taken aback by that. But, again, eventually agrees because he wants to interrogate Butthole and Allen. He's not, again, not sure about Quinny. Yeah, no. Why interrogate an unrelated prostitute? Uh, right, sure. so yeah. unrelated. So, uh, Von Strauss agrees to the caller, and you're led through into processing. Allen and Butthole. Allen, you've got a real hard thing coming up because you still have a mouthful of Billy Fingers. Yep. <laughs> so, currently, you're all being taken off the chains and led into individual rooms. You have between the entranceway of this room and the doorway into your private examination room to figure out what yeah. you can do with Billy Fingers. Do I have time to whisper? <laughs> yep. Put him in your butt. <laughs> it's what you do. It's called keystering. That's how you get stuff into prison. So, butthole, you're being led forward. <laughs> Alan, you're being led off the side. Quinny, you're still going to get examined in a different room, but you can tell that they are taking you to a, a separate area. Mm -hmm. Von Strauss is issuing orders to a couple of the guards came with him. Butthole, can you roll me a perception check, please? 
I'd say nat one. <laughs> that thing is a coin. <laughs> <laughs> All or nothing, yeah, baby. Exactly. <laughs> um, you're looking around, and you know that this is one of those critical junctures where all data is useful data. <laughs> but also, the architecture is just really nice in here. I've always liked the color green. Yeah. And then I start wondering, like, I'm looking around the room, and green's good. But then I start wondering, like, keystering. Where did that word come from? Was there, like, a... Duke of Keister or like a Duchess? Is it because you could, like, would a key turn open it? Is it your butt a lock? And then I'm gone. Like, at that point, I've already been stripped of my armor. Like, it's just yeah. over. You're just getting beautiful minded. It's just like all happening for you. <laughs> I, I ask the person taking off my armor, do you have a window pane and some chalk? I have ideas. No. Smash cut to Alan. What um, are you doing with Billy So Kings? I don't have the use of my hands right now, right? No. I look for when no guards are looking and I'm going to spit Billy Fingers down the front of my shirt. And I'm going to say, all right, you stay at the small of my back. You go up my butt only. (laughs) (laughs) Only if it's life or death. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell T-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds. But now we are selling some sick mugs. And it is so easy. All because we use Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. It'll help you turn browsers into buyers because it has the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, which means curious people are more likely to buy from you. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices, if people were outside of the U.S., were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot. Hi, friends. It's me, Butthole, and I'm here to talk to you about how you can join some kind of Discord thing where you can talk with me and with Queenie and with Alan and with all of the other friends. There are even like Prince Mudbutt's there and a bunch of other people. All you have to do is apparently become a patron of our ear plays for one dollar. If you just do it one time, I mean, you should do more. Everyone's got a chip in at the fortress, but if you just do that one time, then you get to join a patron-only exclusive Discord forever, plus you get pre-session chats and DM chats at the end of every arc of some show called Dum Dums and Dragons. They tell me it's related to me somehow, but I'm not really sure, so patreon.com slash dice. That's D-U-M-B D-U-M-B D-I-C-E. And if you pay that dollar to join that discord you get a chance for me to say hello new friend to you So you're, the way this is going to work cinematically, so Alec, you're, Ryan, led, you suck. I, I you're, you're you. led into the room, and basically it, it's like if this was a, a video game or a film, the whole scale of the film would come down to Billy Fingers, and now Billy Fingers is going to play Metal Gear to see if he can escape. So basically what's going to happen is it, when they lift your shirt, he's going to like skitter down your leg. Yeah. When they take off your pants, he's going to skitter around the back. Yeah. So let's see how Billy Fingers does on his stealth checks. There's going to be some real now-you-see-me cinematography. Flick a card. I'm going to try and convince oh, me that really? Jesse Eisenberg can act. Alan, what is your stealth Fuck. right now? Plus four. That's pretty good. I yeah. forgot. You're quite stealthy. Yeah. yeah. So you come into the room and they start taking off your robes. Basically, when you put your arms up in the air, Billy Fingers, who rolled a 20, wow. yeah, <laughs> runs Billy. up your arm and leaps in slow motion, Matthew McConaughey and Reign of Fire style, <laughs> landing nice. on callback. the interrogator's head and then splaying out like a bad toupee. The interrogator then proceeds to give you a full pat down, checking your butt. So it's a good thing Billy Fingers wasn't there because I don't one like dead this. Billy Fingers. You're in jail. It's prison. It's <laughs> yeah, not nice. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> That checks out fair. <laughs> no, no, no. You're in jail. You have to like it. <laughs> yeah. And as the interrogator finishes, you can see Billy Fingers takes two fingers, manages to pull a hairpin out of the interrogator's hair, and then nice. leaps back onto your back and 
sneaks back down into the lower. Oh, God, I love Billy. Because it was a female interrogator. They have decency standards at this. The coffin isn't just some ramshackle. I feel a little bit better. I still don't like it. Yeah, fair enough. Quinny, you're being led into a room. You get the sense that you're going to be led somewhere else unless you act quickly. Are there any uh, labels or anything like that giving me an idea of where I'm going? You can see a large door to your right that leads off to Gen Pop. You've been pulled off to the left, so you suspect you're going somewhere else. Possibly the warden's tower. That warden loves prostitutes. Unrelated (laughs) prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. Prostitutes that have no relation to anything else. They're um, the best kinds. Yeah, he really doesn't like prostitutes that are related to him. Oh, God, no. He won't make that mistake thrice. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm going to just go with them. You get patted down because you're a horrible ramshackle monster. There's really nothing anywhere you could hide. I had keistered some very important items. You spent some stress on that? No, they were in my old dead butt. <laughs> so I, they're not in my Ironically, new one of them was a potion butt. of flame protection and just uh, wasn't yeah, yeah, so useful. No. So when you get patted down, you know. Notice, though, you're handed a more ornate prison garb. It's not, much to your relief, a creepy, sexy garb, but it is very colorful and very strange. What colors? Multicolored. This is Okay, a, so it's it, not like I'm part of the blue group now or anything like that. It's it almost, just this technicolor jumpsuit. Rainbow colored, excuse me. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, technicolor, technicolor from back when audiences of live theater could only see in black and white. <laughs> uh, <the laughs> I mean, you're actually alarmingly close to what this is. Oh, so, fuck. yes. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, you're in a technicolor jumpsuit. Think of it if, if the rest of them are in standard orange prison jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Yours looks like a 70s sci-fi outfit. There's unnecessary bursts of color. Wow, okay. It's very uh, very exciting. If I've got these guards on me and stuff like that, I'm going to ask, like, what is this for? The warden is earmarked to you for his special team. What's the special team? Uh, his lollipop guild? I hate prison. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate prison too. Look, the sooner I can get back on the road, the better. Anyway, I'm sorry. Good luck. And he just pushes you back out into the central room. So, Quinny, you come out in this crazy Technicolor jumpsuit. Butthole and Alan, you're both in standard prison orange. As you come out, Von Strauss looks at Quinny, turns to the warden, and says, What the fuck? And then the warden, as he turns, stuffs a shiv into his neck. Von Strauss, his eyes go wide, and he kind of drops to one knee, and the warden says, Look, Von Strauss, there's a lot of changes going on. Von Strauss, despite being collared up, is still a pretty powerful guy, so he starts lashing out, but immediately the gen pop door opens and a bunch of halfling-sized guys dressed in ninja garb come rushing in and immediately pull his arms out to the sides. Two of them jump on his back. How shackled up are we? Because I'd be trying yeah. to throw down with anybody you're, who's you're to my left. very right. shackled. Like, okay. shackled to a point where the guards who are helping you and patting you down are also holding you back. You're witnessing a coup. I'm witnessing an unsuccessfully trying to headbutt whoever is holding me. <laughs> uh, roll me a strength check. Five. You go to headbutt the guy, you kind of miss, you hit him in the shoulder, it hurts you more than it hurts him, but you're clearly struggling, you're doing that. Yeah, I'll take it. Thing. Von Strauss is snarling and then trying to fight his way up, and the warden says, things have changed, the world has changed, and change is coming here too. Your precious Lord Neverember was executed this morning. There's a new world order in place now, my friend, and there's really no place in it for you. He twists the knife in Von Strauss's neck, and as Von Strauss starts bleeding out, he gets dragged out the left door by the ninja squad. Am I on the left side? Yeah. From my perspective, can I gain any additional information? Like, I want to know the difference between they're dragging a corpse out or a soon-to-be-dead corpse or someone who has just been... He looks rough. Yeah. Like, they clearly hit something pretty vital. Um, So he's bleeding profusely, but he's not dead. He's also, as you know from... He's a tank. He's a tank. Yeah, yeah. 
He's got no magic, and he's got a knife in his neck, but he's still alive. So we know they didn't kill him. Yeah, it, it's that thought of they, they took him out, but if they wanted to kill him, they could have. So something's yes. going on. Yeah. I am very pissed off, but I am shutting the fuck up because we're surrounded by very tiny ninjas. I'm going to give you one point of inspiration because <laughs> I have never heard you act that tactically before. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I, I am just going to stand as tall as I can. I'm just doing that prisoner lineup walk. I mean, we've been slaves before, so you learn passive resistance. Mm -hmm. uh, so just as tall and as broad and as intimidating as I can, just staring straight ahead, but clearly over the head of all these <laughs> little people who created a hellish murder army. Great. The tiny ninjas drag him out. Alan, I assume you're also going along with passive resistance. I'm just going along, Great. yeah. You're brought through into another chamber, and this is where they give you a quick health check just to make sure you're not carrying any diseases or anything. They do swab your mouth, so it's good that Billy Fingers is hiding now. Well, that they didn't do the health check when they were, like, looking in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that was, the, that was the weapons one, because they could just Christ. kill you then, now, now that you're being so invasive. brought through. Do you like prison yet? I they, don't They like look prison. in your butt twice, well, once for weapons right. and once for health. For <laughs> once for health. I was a slave for nine months, and this is oh. worse. It's true. When we were a slave, very few people looked directly into yeah. our bubbles. Because they were more concerned with you rowing. So you get the standard board physical where the doctor clearly doesn't care. care. <laughs> oh, do you have anything infectious? No? Great. So they, they give you like a quick cheek squab. They check your eyes. What does uh, the doctor make of me and my Frankenstein body? Well, I'll get to you in a second because oh, you're okay, actually cool. not being brought through the ah, same way. Okay. Because we're splitting the party because that's my favorite thing. Thank right. you, Nat 20. <laughs> Alan Butthole, you get cheek swabs, you get that whole thing and then you start that classic prison walkthrough where you're kind of brought into a small room where there's another prisoner waiting for you whose job is to show you around. Her name is is Nada, and she is an orc. She's missing an eye. Looks like she's seen some combat. She's got some wicked good prison tats. She's got a face tattoo, mm. like Mike Tyson's, but different enough that we won't get sued. He's listening Real keenly to this podcast, <laughs> waiting like for it. that sue money. <laughs> <laughs> he listens to every podcast. One of these days, I'm going to get Marin. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, you rapist. <laughs> Such a piece of shit. Convicted. It's not even a question mark. <laughs> yeah. So she looks around at the new recruits and says, Welcome to the Emerald City, friends. I say, hello, I'm Butthole. We just saw some weird shit. What's going on? Also, which gangs are cool? I've heard a lot about gangs. I like clubs. Uh, prison. <laughs> she looks at you with a mix of horror and fascination. I like this guy. This guy gets it. You're going to do fine here. But you want to talk weird shit. There's a lot of weird shit. So keep your head down. Come on. I'll show you what's up. And she begins to lead you out into the prison. Smash cut to Quinny. Quinny, you're being brought through after Von Strauss. He's already gone. You're not sure where they went. Can you roll me a perception check, please? Five total. Despite being more worldly now, there's a sense of illness and something's off that's just pervasive everywhere Persistent. Here. Yeah. So you're let down a hallway and the guard passes you over to two ninjas who are in... So you've seen a bunch of ninjas in classic ninja garb. There are a few who seem to be almost in guard uniforms. So they're a little less form-fitting tunics with the symbol of the prison on the front. And the two of them, each one grabs one of your arms and they lead you through into a new chamber. So you walk in and it almost looks like a lounge. But, you know, a shitty prison lounge. There's some couches, there's some tables, there's a couple of people playing dice. But perhaps strangest and most alarming to you of all, there's a character you recognize, someone from your prison days, your old pal Gary, who used to keep you safe. Gary, what do you look like? Gary is a Aarakocra, so oh, he is nice. a uh, bird person. 
Gary notably only has of his two wings that Eric Cochran's usually have. He only has his left wing and the other one is kind of clipped off. He's elderly, as in he's 31. That's very old for Eric Cochran's. Sure. And yeah, I think he's wearing as well kept as possible, but prison garbs, his jumpsuit, but looks pretty worn in. And Gary also perhaps has some tattoos that are kind of sneaking out Mm. with his garb here. He is currently meditating in the corner of this lounge here. And immediately as you come in, his eyes glance up to look at whatever you are. On a bird scale, if you're like a half bird, half person, do you know a breed of bird you would choose? I think it's like a hawk. Uh, The beak looks a little dangerous. And definitely like his hands are like talons, right? So Mm -hmm. that's very much on par, but definitely elderly. Quidi, you notice that he has on his jumpsuit much more subtly than yours. He does have the insignia of the Lollipop Guild. Okay. But he's not forced to wear (laughs) the flashy garbage that uh, that you are. Gary, if you want to know what Quinny looks like, so he's in a Frankenstein body. He Uh has donkey legs from the waist down. So he's a Mr. Tumnus legs. Okay. Uh, His torso is from like a really jacked gnome. So he's just super shredded. He's got great abs. Ooh, nice. Okay. Uh, and then he has different hands that have been attached at the bottom of the arms. They're the hands from the God of Shadow Puppets. So they're dexterous and really long fingered in an oddly disturbing way. Yep. Oh, uh, this is already disturbing. Yeah, yeah, no, this then is upsetting his, his for me head. Too. Is that of a bearded lady? Okay. With donkey ears attached where the ears would be that hang down. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you so might you not even know this is He's definitely no. not. So, yeah. So, oh, Gary, you God. just see another strange addition to the Lollipop Guild. The strangest, perhaps? Or I no? I would say, well, I mean, um... Yes. <laughs> I mean, Burgermeister is pretty strange as oh, a yeah. weird little creature. But, yeah. I mean, as you know, the Lollipop Guild is mm. a variety of people useful to the warden, but... Yeah, I've never quite seen someone like this. Quinny, however, you're very relieved to see Gary because Gary was one of the good ones. Yeah, he was one of the first people that you met in prison. He offered his protection to you and took you under his wing. Hey. Yeah. Um, Glad we got that out of the way early. Yep. There goes half of my material. Yeah, the other half was on the other wing. <laughs> Boy, his arm's tired. Ha-cha-cha-cha. <laughs> please, please stop. <laughs> Prison ghost. Quinn, you remember that Gary had some affiliations that helped keep you safe. You know he gave you one of your tattoos, but you can't for the life of you remember... One of my first ones. Which one it would sure. be. I smile and wave, realizing how probably horrifying that would be, given what I look like now. And, like, there's no recognition no, on Gary's no. face. And, that, and I just realized that was a very bad decision and put my hand back down. <laughs> Um, Gary, can you roll me a perception check, please? Yeah. 19. Despite how odd this creature is, you're a fairly perceptive guy. There's something really familiar about him there shouldn't be. It's very strange to you. Welcome to the coffin. Perhaps we have crossed flight paths before. We we have. I've actually been to the coffin before. No, no, you definitely have not. No, <laughs> that is definitely not true. Does the name Quinny Brownbarrow sound familiar? Kind of looks a little taken aback as if you've kind of told a joke. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of this person, yes. Okay, well, hey, Gary, good to see you again. No. <laughs> <laughs> Quinny, can you roll me a, a persuasion check, please? 14. Should I insight this? Is that yeah, a Yeah, I can roll me yeah. an insight. Make it in a post check. 15. Yeah, you're still not buying this. This yeah. is madness. Look, I wish it were the case that I didn't look like this, but that's where we're at right now. You sound as if you had a choice. And what? Okay, what are you? I don't know. You don't know what you are? Well, look, and I hold up my hands, and you can see that the hands are stitched to the arms, and that the arms are stitched to the torso, and that the neck would be stitched to the torso as well, because it's a different head. And I say, I 
this isn't what I'm supposed to look like. I hope the second draft of whatever you were turned out much better. I don't. <laughs> I think this was like a one draft only kind of thing. The person who made me has a lot of self-confidence. Who created you? Do you know Butthole Farch? I've been in prison for quite a while. I do not think I know this. Wait, that's a person's name? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly how you feel. And in some ways, you're a better person for not knowing him. <laughs> In some ways, life is just simpler. Listen, what do I call you? You know what? Just because I'm having a real weird day, why don't you give me a name? I will call you Stitch. Sure. (laughs) I'll do Stitch. Stitch, I do not know how you know how I am, but something in you seems familiar. And I can see by your garb that you were appointed to me in uh, training and part of the Warden's new army. So this isn't what the normal garb looks like anymore? This is... Do your eyes work? No, of course, this is not the usual garb. So I just thought this was the usual fare of humiliation that I have to go through on a fairly regular basis. I think you just being what you are is the usual humiliation. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. It never ends. Well, Stitch, you are very well-spoken for whatever you are, I must admit. Do you have any uh, skills, talents, fighting styles? Yeah, a bit of fighting, a bit of thieving. Thieving? With you? You could be unseen? That seems unlikely. (laughs) I'm sorry, this now hearing myself over and over, it sounds like I'm just constantly making fun of you, but trust me, it is me just trying to get a hold of you, Stitch. You know, in different circumstances, I'd be pretty pissed off, but it is just really good to see you, Gary. Come with me, let's get you set up. Smash cut back to the yard. Butthole and Alan, Nada takes you out with some of the other new recruits out into the yard. So basically, I'm going to pop up and give you the meta version of what this place looks like rather than try to narrate it because that's going to take nine years. Essentially, the Emerald City, as it's known, is the new superstructure that's been built up on top of the coffin. The coffin still exists. It's mostly disused. There's a lot of it that now seems to be used for storage. Nada doesn't know too much about it. So the coffin's ground floor and the Emerald City is sort of level two. Superstructure as well as the yard. So the yard is entirely new. It's almost an arena that's been added onto the prison. So it's the giant green fortressy area that you're, you're sitting in. So it's a large square fortress arena. At the north end, there's the Warden's Tower, which looks far too grandiose. Logistically, think of this a bit like the film The Last Castle. Thank you. Uh, so Gandolfini's like watching post. It's that sort of thing. Nada explains that Warden Burgermeister, Meisterburger, is very, very attentive to what goes on in the jail, possibly to a point of enjoyment. The prison is not that far from Neverwinter, mm. but they felt the presence of civilization recede from it, if that makes any sense. So where it used to be constantly patrolled by knights from Neverwinter, that sort of thing. Now they seem to be kind of on their own. There are watchtowers in the four corners with snipers posted constantly. Anytime anyone has tried anything, they've been immediately destroyed. She says destroyed specifically. It's an odd turn of phrase, but that's the way she describes it. The Warden's Tower is where he lives as well as where his office is overlooking the grounds. There's an upper deck that currently Quinny and Gary You're walking around. Essentially, if this were a film, we'd be cutting back and forth between the two of you delivering the exact same information. The yard is currently empty and locked. Nada explains that the way the punishment system here works is there's gen pop, so your general populace, you're fine. Your day is very regimented. There's work you have to do. But as long as you keep your head down, generally that's all that happens to you. The next step down is called first strike, because if you receive the first strike on your record, the warden puts you into the yard. So the yard is usually used Mm. as almost a fighting arena, both for visiting nobles' amusement and seemingly for the warden's own purposes. It's also a quick way to provide punishment. Think, rather than spending some time in solitary, you get to spend some time in the Hunger Games. So it usually straightens (laughs) people out after one strike. 
However, if you receive a second strike, you're taken to a facility underground known as the pit, which is, as the name suggests, a giant well that they throw you down. She kind of shudders at it. She's never been herself, but she knows people who've come back from it, and they've all been changed. Up top, Gary, you're able to explain that the way the pit works is a viciousness-based merit system. Every beginning of the day, there's a food shower. They just dump food down the pit. Midway through the day, they drop one fresh blade down the pit. And at the end of the night, they drop a ladder down the pit. And it becomes a ladder match to see who can get up and out. If you can get up and out, you are returned back into general populace. If you don't, then you wait for the food shower the next morning. So it's a terrible place. Generally, that is people so fucking back. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go there. Let's go there. Yeah. I was going to say, inside <laughs> Butthole's head, he's going, I don't think I'm going to be in Gen Pop for long. <laughs> Um, So the pit is off of the Emerald City. To the west is the old prison, so the coffin. The north is where the Gen Pop cells are. Think Alcatraz-style stacked cells. The Lollipop Guild gets larger cells up on the top floor. Away so from this the is sort of Titanic rules. The best experiences are for those 100%. at the top and the shittiest are at the bottom. And right? there's sort of a consistent merit-based system that's encouraged by the warden. You also notice as you're going around, all of the guards seem to be halflings. They're all wearing tunics. All of them are wearing face masks. It's that classically dehumanizing prison thing where all of the guards look exactly the same. They're all standing in similar stances. You can't see their faces. It's gently unnerving, but also odd that they're all halflings. I lean over to Alan. I don't think I could impersonate a guard. Yeah. <laughs> Strike that off what you were thinking. <laughs> Already done, dude. <laughs> so having given you the full tour, Nata says her next job is to deliver you back to Gen Pop Cells. The way the day tends to work here in the Emerald City is you get food in the morning, work most of the day, lunch, recreational time in the yard. So the yard isn't just for fights. It's also where you get your daily exercise, followed by a final meal and then lights out. So it's basically a work day with one break. Can we ask some questions on our way to the cells? Nada. Okay. So is there ever a time where they take these collars off? Like if you get injured, anything, like if medical care, any. Not that she's seen. She also warns you that the collars have three settings. The first setting is just a quick punitive shock. So if you try, oh, wait, they'll trigger it just if you're walking around or if you're yeah, being a dick. They, they okay. can, it's they like can a remote. shock collar. Yeah, it's a shock collar. Yeah. So the first one's just a, hey, get back in line. Second one is debilitating, taser style. And the third one, Suicide Squad style, blows your head off. So is that what you meant by destroyed? No, no, the snipers. When uh, they were building this, and she gestures, below the warden's tower, there is a horrible, desiccated dwarven body that's been nailed up against the wall. It's, It's sort of a horrible map. Yeah, the architect, Squidgy Limestonson, he, oh, uh, he oh, advised... Oh, no, he was a nice man. He was very concerned with keeping people in. So uh, as a result, our security systems, they have m- multiple fail-safes. I did time with Squidgy. He was super nice. You notice that the toe is a key. Gave is him it that still on his body? Day. Yeah. Hmm. We might want to get his toe at some point. But I know that sounds weird, but go with me on that one, Nada. So let's say, oh man, so many spooky halfling ninjas stabbed a paladin in the neck, and then we're going to take him somewhere. Where would you see that story ending? He says, look, uh, people disappear here all the time. It's best not to ask questions. Now roll me a persuasion check or a intimidation check of some sort. I think I'm going to go persuasion because I want to at least have one friend who knows what the hell is going on in this prison. So mm-hmm. I kind of lean in and I'm just going for it. I'm like, listen. There's no fucking way we're staying here. And when we get out, I want to bring you with us. But that means we all got to get in this together. Clearly, I'm taking a risk because I'm telling you, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And whatever we got to do to make that happen, we're going to do. 
Alan's a badass. I'm. You guys heard of the Forsaken? No. Oh, God damn it, your library. We got to work on your stock here. Okay. <laughs> if you can help us figure out where this fucking paladin is, he's the toughest guy I've ever met. If I can get this collar off, we can heal him. We can get him the fuck out of here. He'll help us. Murder everybody who's evil. You tell us who's cool. We'll put you in charge of like the cool factor. And then we'll get this done. Nat 20. Oh, beautiful. Whoa. She looks at you in a classic prison movie way. Been waiting for someone like you. All right, I'll talk to some of the gangs, see what we can sort out. Smash cut to the upper rail. Gary, you've been walking Stitch around, uh, sort of showing them the ropes. Eventually, you're greeted by a dwarf who looks like he hasn't slept in about four or five days. Big rings under his eyes. His eyes are bloodshot. His beard's really scraggly, standing out at odd angles. He's wearing full armor. He's got a heavy battle axe slung over his back. You recognize him as the head of security, Torgrim Battleheart. He's one of the last vestiges of the coffin in its previous form. He's been one of the holdovers. and He's been working here a very long time. So he greets you. It's not weird. You've got slightly elevated inmate status, but you're still an inmate. Mm -hmm. Inmate, new stranger inmate. This is uh, Stitch. He is, as you can see, a newest addition to the guild. Ah, very good. So uh, he's going to be joining in the training with the rest of them, I assume? Yes, I have something special in mind with this one. But yes, I will need access to the training facility to break him in. Good. The uh, warden wanted me to tell you that some new ones are here. Get training them up. With the amount of new prisoners who've just shown up, we can't have any lapses in security, particularly not with everything that's going on. So you know we've got a VIP arriving the next couple of days. Uh, of course, this uh, prison will run just like clockwork while the world burns around it. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're very poetic, Gary. I've always appreciated that about you. Well, I've got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, I'll leave you to it. Stranger inmate, Gary, he sort of trundles off. Togrim, head of security, that one. He doesn't look so good. Well, he's got a lot to worry about. Julian, can you roll me an insight check, please? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things that Gary does. Nope, 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 never mind. <laughs> <laughs> 13. 13. You haven't identified what his voice is, but having been in jail this long, you've seen Torgrim back when he was Hardy and Hale. This is a shadow of that man. So mm. you're pretty sure that he's addicted to something. You're not sure what. Do I recognize him? Roll me a history check, please. 12. You recognize him in the same way you would recognize someone who you knew back when they were healthy, who then got into meth in a big way. So he looks vaguely familiar. And I think when you hear the name... Torgrim is what kind of really... Yeah. It, and it's it's shocking. Because right, okay. you remember, he was a, a tough but fair kind of guy. Torgrim is head of security now? Yes. How do you have such a history with this place? Look, I'm going to whittle you down on this... Over the course of time, but I am Quinny Brownbarrow in a new horrifying body. Quinny, as I've heard, is dead. For a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just stop walking. Tell me something that only the Quinny that I would know, that I spent time with, would know. I can't show it to you anymore because new body, but got one of my first tattoos thanks to you. Okay. Which was that? That was... The symbol of the hawk. I just shake my head disappointingly and keep walking. The real Quinny would know. A hawk. I feel like that's almost a slight against me. You see me and you're just like, oh, he probably just draws birds. Draws what he knows. Look, it <laughs> uh, Quinny, do you want to spend some stress? To yeah, I better spend some stress. Back? Yeah. I think you had a moment when you first arrived in the coffin, particularly when it was called the coffin. Yeah. And probably after your first failed heist attempt. For Quinny, it was something akin to Benny from The Mummy, where you just signed up to every gang you could <laughs> in the hopes no, that yeah, one of them would save you. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. So the hawk was a solid guess. You're really not sure who the hawk band is then. No, the band. But yeah, no. um, I'll let you spend, uh, and I should mention, everyone has their five stress back since we're in a new scenario. You can spend some stress if you want. I'm still going to make you roll, though. That's fine. Okay. Well, what am I going to roll? I'll let you roll a charisma 
because Ooh. I think you're going to try and talk it out of him. Okay. It's that classic psychic thing where you're like, oh, uh, there, was, there was a man, no a woman, no a man. No a woman, no a man, a dog. I'm sensing the letter uh, yeah. L. Is it, does anyone I was trying to think, what, what was that, that show? my card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the L card all along. Um, Quinny, roll me a charisma check and spend four stress, please. Okay, so I'm down to one stress. Whoa, wow. spend four stress. If you hadn't fucked it up on the first go, I feel like Gary, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, sure. but I think Gary was coming around to it, but that's... Uh, yeah, it's a bad guess. It's yeah. the top. Yeah. That's uh, 11. Okay, with your stress, I'll give it to you. And I think the way it goes is that you're like trying to convince him suavely and eventually it becomes slightly more pleady and slightly more pleady and slightly more pleady. Also not <laughs> cool <laughs> charisma, but like that, <laughs> that cloying I charisma. I mean, it was a better role, but he, he starts to, to recognize like, no, this is exactly what that this sound is, is like. This is style, the whining boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and, I'm, uh, and I'm listing <laughs> off like... All the other tattoos that Quinny had, so it's sort of okay. like maybe in your memory, like oh that tattoo he did have one, the, the crescent moon, right? And then, oh yeah, okay, and then, and then the broken swords, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. eventually you settle on the correct one, which is of course the mark of the unseen hand. The mark of the unseen hand, right? <laughs> Guys, it's taken us three seasons, but we figured it out. Quinny the whining boy. <laughs> That's the entire description. It's never been that tight before. <laughs> A.K.A. the unrelated prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. A.K.A. Stitches. A.K.A. Frank Frank and Quinny. Sneaky McDiddles, I think, was one as well (laughs) that you bestowed upon me. All those gifts. Yeah, yeah. I think after mentioning that, I think Gary kind of checks the corners and uh, kind of closes distance with you. I mean, like, oh, it took you a long time, but you really got to it. Yes. (laughs) Quinny, what in the holy hells? Who did? This is terrible work, whoever did this to you. I appreciate that they brought you back from life, but uh, what a vessel. Yeah, no, it's... It's not even a vessel. It's like a bad quilt. Okay, that, like, okay. You're, like zombie, okay. let me finish. Like some kind of dead <laughs> relative got brought back to life and they were scarred and then they made you a quilt and it's just half of it's garbage. You look bad is what I'm trying to say. Is that what you're trying to say? I, you're working up to that three-letter word bad is what I look like? <laughs> It's good to see you, Quinny. It's good to see you, too. Wish it was under better circumstances. Well, let's keep walking because there's a tight schedule here. I don't know what the Lollipop you can Guild see, is. You uh, the hands of the dwarf moving. It looks like it's a truly grisly clock. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's worse that there are smaller versions of that all over the place. Because that's just clocks now. It's just right, small yeah. dwarfs, figures. It's been a long time since I saw a real clock. Or, or a living dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Deep-seated motivation wants to see clocks. Just one more time. The largest dwarf I can see. Oh, that would be great. So you continue your walk, and you eventually bring Quinny into the training chamber. Quinny basically looks like a dojo. There's a variety of training dummies, tatami mats, all that sort of stuff. Gary, this is, of course, a very familiar space for you. It's up on the second level. It's next to the Warden's Tower. Nice. A couple of questions to you just to get out of the way. Yep. These collars, these magic person collars, is there a control panel for that? Or, like, where's the source of that pain? Yeah, you would know this. The Warden has a central access point that is rigged to all of them. Mm. Um, however, the guards also can activate them. The right. catch is that they're just siphoning off of the power source that's in the Warden's gotcha. office. Can you roll me a constitution save, please? Ba-ba-da-ba-ba. That is a six. I'll give you a devil's bargain. Okay. This is a, a fun system. I've also stolen Don't from. Don't take it. <laughs> um, if you lower your permanent HP by four, I'll say you've built up resistance to the shock collar. So it still affects you, but if they hit the taser button, you can fight your way through it. Right. Rather than just falling over and twitching. I'm actually going to take this. This sounds great. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> You have the devil now. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, you the devil's uh, Great. Okay. 
Yep. So yeah, over over time, you've trained yourself to just be uh, a slim immunity. Sure. Yep. Just can't wait to see Gary muscling through having his head blown off. Just oh, I can still <laughs> just put it back on. Spoilers. And, yeah. That's a special Eric Kokra skill. That's right. His head can come off. That, that's why he knows you're put together so shittily. He's put his own head back on so many yeah, times. You can't see the stitches. It's seamless. Yeah. So heading into the uh, training area, I start talking to Winnie here surreptitiously. I'm gonna say inside the training room there are three guards in the ninja garb who are training with each other. Quinny, can you roll me a perception check, please? Cumulative 20. These guys, their combat style is very good. It's very slick. As a rogue, this is your jam. Like These guys look highly, highly trained. Highly trained. Yeah, okay. Quinny, I'm going to call you Stitches just for the sake of it. Sure. Gary gestures towards the uh, ninjas there. Sure, that is all too familiar sight. To a, a degree, I mean, there's this weird detachment that I've got, too, from my old life. With the magic dampening collar on there, do I still feel a connection or hear a voice from this person who is the new source of my power? Or am I cut off? Uh, I would say few. I'd say it's almost like a pulsing headache, as though something's trying to force its way. Oh, I thought it might even be a reprieve, like finally that guy's out of my head, but it's he's still like banging on the door, kind of? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Quinny, something in what Gary said strikes you as odd. Something about how familiar this fighting style looks. Can you roll me a perception check again, please? And can you add your proficiency bonus? That'll be a 19, then. As you start to watch it, these techniques are very familiar. Remember that? That jab was very effective. I'm sorry for stealing it. Can I try and mimic some of the moves that I'm seeing? It's difficult because your body's gangly, but yeah, this is a very familiar fighting style to you. They're moving the way you used to move. Two of them are fighting. One of them gets a good grip and grabs his opponent by the chest, grabs by the mask, flips him to the ground. Mm -hmm. As he goes, the mask comes off, and you see Quinny's face. Uh, what the fuck? This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at delborovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser, and our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-A ZZAR, all available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is I reporting. He's at the Lao Chang restaurant, Changchun, northeastern China. It's uh, spring 1997. Once it started, I'll leave him in Ming's hands. <laughs> That's a joke. Ming doesn't have hands. And what do you do exactly? Besides dance with strangers. I work for the postal service. <laughs> you, you're a, a postman. Weird, right? Weird, right? Miss what is it? It's just a bit strange. A letter for me from Hong Kong. And there's no stamp. I need stamps to write a dead person? Yep, there's a cost. How much? A pound. A pound of flesh. A pound of you? It seems like a lot. Lift up your shirt! What's that? Just pull this tube over your stomach!
The very worst thing that could possibly happen. An audio drama in nine parts, produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit wlfdr.com.